0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Yvette, and today I have a really exciting and insightful episode all about podcasting and how that can be used as a medium for academic scholarship. Our guests today are Dr. Renee Lemus and Dr. Christina Rose, also known as Las Doctoras. Together, they are acclaimed radical influencers, podcasters, writers, and Latina thought leaders. Ooh, I love that. (laughs) They're also creative partners in the Las Doctoras podcast, the book club, their sacred writing course, and St. Lunita magazine. Welcome so much to the podcast, Doctoras Renee and Cristina. Oh, thank you so much. Such I a loved pleasure.
1: listening to you. It was so beautiful. What a great, yeah. I um, loved beautiful. reading your bio.
0: I know it's like, a, it's, a, it's a condensed version. I read a little bit, but y'all are so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy that you all said yes to coming on the show. I think more people need to be exposed mm. to both of you and to your work. And mm. I think it's super interesting that you all are here to talk about academic scholarship and about podcasting mm. and about your work. So I would love for folks who are not maybe maybe less familiar with who you are, if you could tell us a little bit more, each of you, like who you are, what you do, and then if you're comfortable, um, anything about your background and backstory and how you got to where you are today. So each of you can decide who starts yeah um
2: I'll go first so I'm Renee um yeah so I am I'm like where do I begin academic stuff is I did my BA at Cal State Long Beach I have a, a bachelor's in journalism with a minor in Spanish and then I taught high school Spanish for a few years um, where I learned that I loved teaching, but did not want to teach high school. So I went, <laughs> <laughs> I went to get my master's in Chicano Chicana Studies from Cal State, LA. And then from there, I went to UC Riverside, where I did my PhD in ethnic studies. And I finished, it feels like it was just yesterday, but it's already been like it, I graduated mm-hmm. in 2017. Um, and so it's been mm-hmm. a few years, but it just uh, feels wild? like,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Feel I'm like oh it was yesterday God. and it was 2016 for me. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it
2: was. Mm-hmm. I keep saying it was just a few years ago. I'm like, oh, because mm-hmm. it was such a big, long time, you know, part of my life. So mm-hmm. um, and so now I'm teaching um, now I'm working at Cal State LA and I'm in the Women, Gender and Sexuality Studies program, which I love. It feels mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's where I was meant to be um I love Cal State LA I love Mm -hmm. the students I really love being there um and yeah I have two kids I have um an almost 10 year old so he'll be 10 December 27th so he's counting the days (laughs) and then um, it's like an
1: advent Mm -hmm. yeah it is totally (laughs) advent calendar and then
2: he um and then I have my little one he's seven so I have a first grader and a fourth grader Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think Christina can go and then we'll talk about our, our origin story.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We just recently posted about it, you know, so it's so beautiful. The school that we met at, that our kids met at, um, five years ago, right. When they were two, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, um, I got my doctorate in women's spirituality from the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco in 2014. It also feels like yesterday, even though, um, I have now been working at Cal State, um, Dominguez Hills since then. So, um, so I am in my ninth year is that right is that right eight years something (laughs) like that which is the longest job i've ever had um you know because of school right everything you know it's been interesting um and i love it too i I teach in the women's studies department there and um i have been thinking about how how grateful i am for the community there um and for the work that you know renee and i are doing together so I'm bouncing around here, but I'm from Whittier. You know, Renee's from Pico. Um, These are Southern California uh, towns outside of um, or within L.A. County. Um, Both of our families go way back um, in L.A. and in the um, and in the Southwest. Mm -hmm. I. You know, other intros I have. A little one, um, also the same age as Renee's youngest, um, a little younger. He's seven, also. We were talking about uh, Santos. My son Jaguar and Santos are Mm -hmm. um, uh, friends now from a distance for a while because I've been traveling during COVID um, trying to find. Uh, a place that works for me and my family you know it's Ooh, it, I feel you, know? you. that's a that's story. <laughs> story that we got to talk about sometime soon um yeah I don't know what else what else Renee did I miss I things? think we can we ancestors. can talk about
0: yeah like yeah, our, where our, where our work
1: come from yeah
0: <laughs> can I mean, we, we can talk about, more about how you all met because I, I, I yeah. overheard your kids and the school. And- I love that yeah. story. I just,
2: I think it's such a, it's like a, in movies, me, right? They call it me a meet cute. cute. It's so <laughs> So we were, um, we met at a parent toddler program at, um, at the school that my kids are, are still going to. And, um, so yeah, so we both had two-year-olds and we were in the playground and I think we were both there early, of course, right?
0: Academics, <laughs> we were there on time.
1: <laughs> I love Virgo and Cancer, too. Yeah, ah, and, That's and a right great combo, it. by
0: the way. I'm a Virgo and I have BFs who are Cancer,
1: so. Oh, <laughs> it is a great combo. It <laughs> totally, is. I love
0: Virgos. I'm so drawn to
2: Virgos.
1: Me too. Um, I love Cancers. They're so uh, dependable and loyal. When's your, loyal. when's your birthday? When's your birthday? When, in September? Just so I. Nine know nine. Is it September fourth. Oh nine oh,
0: nine. Oh yes, so we're um, we're real Virgos. That's, <laughs> that's real. Yeah, you're like real. Not that they are no real, no like unreal.
2: <laughs> yeah. There's no there's no uh, cusp of anything. Nice, there's that, no cusp. There's
1: no cusp. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: no
1: cusp. Um, that's so interesting. So yeah, we were there. So we were time, we were in the playground, and weeks.
2: I I think. I, I I can't remember what I what my thought process was but I just I think oh you asked my son's name you said oh what's yeah. his name and I said Santos and then I said oh what's his name and you said how what and I was like and I remember thinking in my head like all right I I'm, down with it. I'm, down with I'm down with this and then like yeah. in that same you know we were just kind of the kids were playing and then a conversation came up like um something about what do you do and she's like oh I'm a women's studies professor I was like I'm a women's studies professor Mm -hmm. and she's like oh I teach at Cal State Dominguez Hills I was like I teach at Cal State LA and then we and then again the conversation she was like oh I'm from Whittier and I'm like oh my god I'm from Pico like
1: and then my dad your dad yeah our moms
2: were both hairdressers our dads both worked for the sheriffs like there was like a lot what? of similarities we both
1: went to religious like schools you know um yeah we both had our doctorates or we renee was in the midst of finishing hers you know finishing,
2: yeah. what are and the odds the- <laughs> what are yeah. the odds right like, the doctorate I just remember-
0: también, like all of those things But wow yeah
2: it was and, and i and i will say that i was in so in the school that um my kids are at i i love the school but at the time the diversity wasn't what it is now let's just say that Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. um you know kind of being in these parent toddler spaces where you're kind of like and I'm not the super social person right I'm kind of like oh so when I found Christina I was like oh oh my god (laughs) like I can be friends with another with another mom and it felt really nice and then we ended up um, working together with uh, an organize a community organization.
1: I absolutely don't Mothers think we arranged that either. I think we both got invited to be a part of something called Latina Mothers Collaborative, and we both showed up there. Or I don't know, you had already been there, yeah. I think. And I got and I showed up, and we're like, oh my god, you're, wow. you're here, you're here, <laughs> it's so beautiful.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, and we ended up working together, and then from there, we just, I think we've just been working together ever since. Uh, At some point, we thought, like, um, and I think this can kind of get us into this conversation around, um, like, you know, podcasting a scholarship, is we came to a point, especially because our kids were so young, and, Mm -hmm. and we really wanted to be, um, you know, hands on parents and we really wanted to be involved and be there. And on one hand, recognizing um, that if we went the route of a traditional academic, which is to get a tenure track position and all of those things that that could that was a lot of time commitment that might take us away from being able to be with our kids as often as we want it to be. I mean, this was a time where we were like volunteering you know, once they went into preschool, we were like in the classroom with them, you know, on certain yeah. days. And so there was, you know, that adjuncting, um, even though it has its own issues, mm-hmm. as we all know. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. Um, it gave us the flexibility to be with um to be with our kids. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a sense of Um, you know, one of the big problems of adjuncting is that we're at the whim of the universities. Like what Mm -hmm. classes, what is our schedule Mm going to be like? Mm -hmm. Are we, you know, I was working at a JC at the time where some some semesters I had three classes, some I had one, like it was just so um, Mm -hmm. unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And I think we were like, how can we gain a sense of like having a little bit more control over our lives, but also like what does, you know, I think we we both were on the same page of like, we didn't necessarily want to pursue that traditional academic yeah. trajectory, but obviously we're academics for a reason. So is there another way that we can do this without mm-hmm. having to go through the,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we all know what it's like to publish <laughs>
1: in mm-hmm. academia yeah.
2: and be like- For the tenure application. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, I think we were trying to do it like on our own terms we were realizing that we had the privilege that, you know, that our mothers or grandmothers or aunties maybe didn't have, which was to spend, you know, the early years with our kids. Um, and, um, and it was just a question, you know, how can we do this? It wasn't, there was no answer or anything like that, you know? And, um, But that's what we love, uh, what I love about our interactions, you know, there's just where we lean into those questions we lean into, you know, how can this be different and to find someone who had all of these similar backgrounds, it's really cool but I know I really feel like it's come through in that we have such a shared language. the some not all not everything we're so different you know (laughs) Virgo cancer are very different different experiences i'm in gemini rising you know this is that doesn't really align well um sometimes with um uh, renee's rising but the the cusp of it is that we can kind of just like lean into this this comfort you know this like the dialect that we speak and um and it happens to be kind of academic, you know, because yeah. that's where we have found um, a place of solace, you know, brave space for us in our lives. Yeah. It, But it's,
0: um, yeah, I was going to say, like, once an academic year, it's kind of, I mean, it's hard to break out of that. It's like you're always an academic or always a scholar in some way, shape or form, whether you do it through the tenure track or some mm-hmm. other position or even completely outside of that. So I I think that your origin story is so beautiful and also almost like written in the cosmos for both of you, because again, 100%. what are the odds? There are just mm-hmm. so many overlaps in your and parallels in your trajectories. And yeah, you do it's say the ancestors beautiful. kind of conspired, yes. you know,
1: to bring us together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: And yeah, so for with sure. Las Doctoras, when... When did it become Las Doctoras? <laughs> I'm We're,
1: like, just We're just celebrating, like, in this time of the year, right? Right now, like, Renee has it in the calendar. I'm, like, looking it up. I love it.
2: <laughs> it's our four-year anniversary. Yeah. Oh, um,
1: felicidad.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, um, like, I'm such a big thing on, like, like historicizing everything. Like, you know, like, like, a, like a historian. I like I love
1: it. And I love it. <laughs>
2: But I I remember that. So really what it started was, okay, is there a way we can create something? Mm -hmm. Um, Here's a big thing that we heard in the communities that we were in, right? Mm -hmm. Mom communities, Latina mom communities. When her and I would have these conversations with the shared dialogue, they would kind of be sitting there watching us like analyze these things, you know, like in this just, you know, over like dinner or something. And we would have friends to say, oh, I wish I could take your class. Oh, I wish (laughs) I had taken a women's studies class or, you know, or an ethnic studies class. And I think that we were like, hmm, (laughs) how can we bring what we do in the university out into a more public, you know, space or make it more accessible? And so we actually Mm -hmm. thought of like, you know, let's, we had done this workshop, um, Back in like May of 2018, I think
1: it was. The flow sanctuary, and they were like, "Oh, mm-hmm. is there a
2: way we can like do some kind of online version of this workshop and make it into a class?" And um, it was in the process of that that um, we thought, "Oh, it would be really cool if we like interviewed people." Mm-hmm. And Christina had always had talked about like doing a podcast.
1: <laughs> And Thanks I remember like, me that. Ah. Thanks for giving me that. I was
2: like, I don't know. I don't know. And then a friend of ours, I think, was like, you should do a podcast. And I was like, <laughs> I guess. And yeah. And then that turned into, yeah, we just, we start like, yeah, we just, I'm like, we bought a mic. Like it just kind of, it just, yeah. Christina had always thought about it. And it just, the motivation for it or the inspiration kind of just continued to be there to lay the groundwork for it
1: and Renee had also like you know the wisdom the knowledge you had some expertise in that area that I think I didn't maybe even know at that time you know because I've really seen that come through in the last you know in the last four years but yeah your your um, your degree you know your your, yeah
2: my journalism undergrad (laughs) it's come full circle I really there was a point I was like oh journalism is not my thing and It has been useful (laughs) in being able to, um, in terms of doing the podcast. But yeah, that was, and I think when Mm -hmm. we first started the podcast, it was like, let's talk about the things that we want to talk about. Let's talk Mm -hmm. to the people. Like Mm -hmm. we have, we feel very lucky, especially when we were both in Long Beach. Um, Long Beach, especially within the, because we both had home births. And so there's like a home birthing, homeschooling, Mm community in Long Beach, nice. um, that are Latinas. Right. And we yeah. thought like, and we've got doulas and midwives in our communities that we know personally. And we thought, okay, like we need to talk to them and they need to share their wisdom. Um, you know, mm. and, and again, like, because we're academics. And so, like you said, anything we produce is going to be seen as scholarship. Yeah. But we see the, you know, like public intellectuals within our communities, yeah. mm-hmm. um, that when we give, you know, space to it's like, yeah, they're out here doing this amazing work, and like, how can yeah. we um, give them the credit that they so much deserve, and um, yeah, and just kind of create space for these conversations about a lot of topics that have been taboo. You know, we've talked about sex and menstruation and all mm-hmm. kinds Money, of different
1: debt. Mm-hmm. yeah you know I want to say before I forget I keep on thinking of it and then it kind of goes away but I think the other thing that we weren't prepared for and it's you know it segues into the podcast and and how talking about things was so much easier with young kids we realized instead of (laughs) writing writing together or writing long academic papers is I think we didn't realize how much birth would change us you know Mm. and so we were also in those first years you know when when our kids were two just still talking about like oh gosh you know like how can, how can we let this change us? How can we let it change like the way that we interact with each other and our academic community and, you know, and, in, and a public scholarship, like how, what does that all look like? And the podcast, you know, was the space because it just felt so beautiful to, again, I talk about the common language, but then when we invite other comadres to come in and talk with us too, it would be even more like this, this exponential sense of, Oh, we're, we're changing things. I can feel the neurons in my brain changing as we're talking, you know, and that's going to make me a better parent. That's going to make me, um, you know, a more integrated individual too. So.
0: Yeah. When I hear you both um talking about kind of how the podcast got started. So some of the things that I heard were that Well, Christina, you were the one that first brought up the idea of a podcast, but then it made a lot of sense for both of you because of the accessibility and because you see yourselves as public intellectuals wanting to share information and wanting to honor um, the work of many other thought leaders, community members who are doing Mm -hmm. incredible work in the community. Um, But then I'm wondering, because there's so many other mediums that can be public and accessible, Why has it been critical for both of you? Because I have my own thoughts and ideas. I mean, clearly I have a podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> like, why, why is it critical for you to have a podcast? Like why that medium as opposed to, and, you know, all the many mm. options out there? That's such a good question. I'm like, I don't know if we've been asked
2: that question before. <laughs> I mean, I will say as mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if this is so I'm Cancer Sun, Cancer Moon, Pisces Rising. So I'm all water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's what it is, but I I love to talk, like mm-hmm. talking is my jam. <laughs> and um, and I think and I think that um Christine and I, when we get together
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and we talk out our, our things, you know, whether it be our life experiences and, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we're like bringing in this, you know, this language, right, this feminist analysis, this, you know, ethnic studies analysis into our daily lives. It's in the talking that we're able to like process things, right? And like mm-hmm. and so I think that the podcast it w- the podcast was just turning on the mic to the conversations that we already have. Yes. <laughs> right? like we're already totally. talking about these things. And so when we turn on that mic and we record and then people are listening to that, and then mm-hmm. they're able to resonate so much mm-hmm. with those conversations.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: um then you're getting that like authentic, Mm-hmm. real voice sometimes I think it's the it's the easiest way for us to communicate authentically um, versus when we write and there's still some filter <laughs> right that goes in there when we go back and edit or when we go back which is why um, so I did the editing for a really long time and it was really difficult for me <laughs> to listen back to myself um, mm-hmm. just because yeah, you start to second guess and you start to yeah. like, uh, oh. and so now we have an editor and I don't even listen just to listen it. to
1: him. Just listen to him. And I, I kind of do, a quick, I do listen I and I'm like, just to catch anything, you know. I did a quick listen before it goes out, Virgo, you know, very yeah. <laughs> But it's like
2: it's that it's that true, raw, like authentic without yeah. the filtering, without the like second guessing ourselves. Yeah. Like it's just us having a conversation and Um, and, and processing and working through, you know, the dynamics that we're dealing with.
1: I think that level of vulnerability, I mean, how audacious actually, as you say that, I think, oh gosh, we just put the mic on. We're having conversations (laughs) where we think it should get out there. I think part of it though, is, um, a community responsibility that we feel with these doctorates, with this amount of Mm. information, this time that we've set aside, you know, I think we want to figure out a way for the, yeah, for the work to reach our our families, to reach our community. Mm-hmm. And so this is also a way that makes it accessible to us as, as young parents um, or as parents of young children. And then I think we stuck with it or we continue to stick with it because it continues to resonate. Um, We continue, I mean, it was, I think, just a few months in that, you know, Oprah Daily, you know, mentioned us um along with other like these other heroes that we have in podcasting um and so that and then the comments people asking to be on the podcast people mentioning it students you know it's just um uh, we've done a lot of different things together in your the bio that you said you know like the magazine and the book club and all those have had resonance at different points but the podcast seems to continue to Continue to resonate. Continue to connect.
2: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. Um, and I think we've kind of said this too, in in different spaces. Um, you know, when when it comes to like academic publishing, um, and we recognize that that just ends up within academia, housed within these databases, right? Mm-hmm. That only other academics or students have access mm-hmm. to. And I think because podcasting is such a public, like anybody can just, you know, listen Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, I think that that's, that's what makes it accessible, but it also just makes it so fun. I mean, we all listen to podcasts, right? Like it's such Mm -hmm. a thing. Um, You know, I have a long commute, so that's always been my thing to listen to podcasts on my commute. Um, And so I think, yeah, there's just there's it's enjoyable. It's fun. That's what we wanted to pleasure. Like, Mm -hmm. we wanted to be able to talk about these, you know, very intellectual things and have all these analysis. But we also just wanted it to be fun, you know, because so much of academia can be very you know, <laughs> having to like meet all these rules and meet all these standards and I'm yeah. I'm also
1: like breaking the rules. I'm just going to say, <laughs> this is also a part of it. You know, even though we talk about being good girls a lot, like on our podcasts and in our lives, um we, there's something fun about, um, you know, doing the colloquial thing. Renee loves, like <laughs> this word comes up in our writing courses, like how, the word has been used against us, you know, different spaces, but mm. like to say like, no, we're really going to do this. And it wasn't until like, it got a podcast got mentioned in Oprah and other places, um, that the university finally saw it. Well, I that- think
2: I was going to say that I think we were, cause we had yeah done this podcast. I think for, like we were kind of finishing up the first season when oh, at the time it was Oprah magazine, um, mentioned us on this list and, um, and I and up until that point, I think we were both a little nervous about letting our university know, <laughs> like what we were doing, because we thought, and and I think part of it because there were times where we critiqued right academia and we critiqued, you know, all kinds of different institutions, and so I think we were a little nervous about letting our departments know what
0: we were doing.
2: And so it got mentioned in Oprah. We're like, Oh no, this needs to count. Like this needs to count on our CV. This needs to count towards, you know, Mm -hmm. retention and all these things. And so I think we both were like reluctantly like send emails (laughs) to our department chairs and like, Hey, by the way, you know, we have this podcast that was mentioned. Um, and I think they were both our departments were very supportive of that. And it was at that moment that we realized, um, that, yeah, what we're doing. And and I think it was that moment. And then I was getting emails from um, like mentors from my PhD program saying, oh, I'm going to put your podcast on my syllabus. Like, which episode do you think? And I was like, wait, mm-hmm. what? I'm going on, we're going on a syllabus. And I think that's when we realized, oh, this is much more than just, mm-hmm. um, than just a, a podcast, right? This is scholarship, right? This yeah. is. Um, and then I think even more so when we Um, when we were doing the book club and then we have this magazine, you know, this online magazine that we, Mm. we have. And I, so my brother, he's also an academic and um, he's in, he's in um, biostatistics. He's yeah. He's in public health. It's a very, we're on opposite ends of the academic spectrum, but I remember talking to him and he's like, you're doing all the things that a tenure track
1: professor does.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. Except we're doing it in these maybe non-traditional Ways, mm-hmm. right? We're not mm-hmm. going through an academic journal, but we're do- doing the podcast, right? And maybe we're not writing a an academic review, but we have this mm-hmm. magazine that we're putting together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's when we realized, right, like a lot of this stuff that we're doing, it, it is scholarship. Um, mm-hmm. and it's doing it in a way that is breaking some of those traditional mm-hmm. barriers around mm-hmm. what counts as scholarship and um. Yeah. And and it gets to be fun. <laughs> like we get to we get mm-hmm.
1: to do this
0: and create scholarship in a way that feels good.
1: Yeah.
0: I um I love that you've been doing this and you've reached a point in the podcasting world where you're getting that recognition. And I'm you know, I'm not sure how much these um I don't know, structural issues requirements and like Mm -hmm. what gets considered uh what is it like what gets counted towards your review Mm -hmm. what gets considered (laughs) as like formal scholarship like i'm not sure how much of that is going to change we know that academic spaces tend to be very antiquated in terms of how they do things yeah but in terms of your experience and how how much you know how much experience you've gained over the last couple of years recording your podcast episodes, what well, have you noticed are some of the benefits and also limitations of podcasting when you think about mm. it as a form of scholarship? Because I mean, some of the things I'm hearing you say are uh, mm-hmm. a lot of benefits, the, the accessibility, the like rawness of being able to just share mm-hmm. what you're thinking, the intimacy mm-hmm. um, of vulnerability. Um, but then on the other side of things, there's also The fact that it Mm -hmm. doesn't get counted for a lot of things, the fact that not Mm -hmm. everybody views it as or counts it as or considers it as scholarship. So Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts in terms of what you found to be benefits and what uh, are some of the limitations either that you've noticed or that other people consider um, as limitations or place as limitations within that medium?
1: I get it's so interesting. I love this question. It, it making me think of the, the anthology that is going to be coming out around public feminisms, um and um and uh how we're a we're a chapter in that because of the podcast, right? The podcast for like public feminist um ideology. Um what is this chapter
0: uh about?
1: Or can you tell us a little, maybe you just a little bit, of it. <laughs> a little bit about it? It's literally just a review, right? Of our work, you know? Yeah. As.
2: It's basically this articulating the podcast as public feminism, right? As mm-hmm. a form of scholarship. I think the intention with the with the anthology was to do that, was to see like how are um scholars, academics creating scholarship mm-hmm. outside of you know the walls of the Ivory Tower um and it's and, digital
1: as well so we're, it has yeah. the links to <clears throat> our podcast episodes in yeah. it you yeah. know we're like um,
2: aren't we like chapter two or something in the anthology are.
1: so yeah 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 we're like
2: on the first you know they have like two pages of table of contents and we're like oh my god we're on the first page of the table of contents mm. um that's, that's pretty, pretty exciting cool. but yeah it's it's basically just us like um ar- yeah articulating how we see the podcast as, um, as public feminism. Um, and then, yeah, like looking specifically at episodes and like what those conversations do to push, right. A feminist ideology or to, um, frame, you know, a feminist analysis. Um, I, I mean, I will say like challenges, um, you know, it's interesting because I think at the departmental level, at least in my experience, there's a lot of support for the work I do. Like, you know, my chair and everyone is very like, oh yeah, Renee's awesome. And then when my review stuff goes to the, whatever the next level is, right. I get like, you know, they have these like categories. It's like unsatisfactory, satisfactory. And whatever excellent Mm -hmm. and then you know and Mm -hmm. I always get satisfactory (laughs) Mm -hmm. at the at the like whatever college level right like Mm -hmm. versus the departmental level and I'm always like frustrated I'm like I don't understand like I have all these rave reviews from my chair and student you know evals Mm -hmm. like all this stuff but so I I um I imagine that at that level right at that next college level it's about like what counts and what doesn't count and I mean, we can get into a huge conversation about that because,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, again, my brother's also an academic and he was denied tenure twice.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of things, right, that um, that get discounted in terms yeah. of what is, you know, what counts towards tenure and all of those things. Um, but I think it. I think the other thing to talk about mm-hmm. is um you know I remember we interviewed a couple folks um your homies I think uh from let our um, Chicana mother work
1: mm-hmm. and I
2: remember we asked them like so are y'all getting like some money for this book <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm not I'm not in because we we've had sense like just just change from the Chicana mother yeah work yeah, anthology.
2: yeah. <laughs> and I remember yeah. thinking like and I, and that that was I will say like that's yeah. another reason why we're like why the f yeah. are we going to go down this road of academic publishing mm-hmm. when we're not going to get compensated for our labor now mm-hmm. are we getting compensated for the podcast not necessarily no. however it has mm-hmm. Given us a platform to then parlay into
1: creating mm-hmm. like online workshops right. and other things that we can't and a hosta getting Anna and Anna Castillo reaching out to us, like um just Sonia Renee Taylor, they've, you know, have come to speak with us because of the podcast popularity, yeah. you know. Um and yeah, I like what you're saying. And tell me if this is right. It's like it's so compartmentalized. It's such a binary world, you know? So like some of the limitations of the podcast are that we don't have like an MBA. Like we don't know what we're doing. Like, you know, as far as, you know, Renee has the journalism degree, which is awesome. I have no idea how to work a mic. You know, like there's just like, <laughs> the, I'm, we're philosophers, right? So we were yeah. having to be basically philosophers. Was it Latina thought influencers, you know? And, and all of this other... I don't know, I would call it left brain or kind of tech. The entrepreneurship part of it, the business aspect of Mm -hmm. it is so,
2: the marketing aspect of it, that's always been our limitation because we do all of this. And a lot of the, the recognition that we've got has kind of come organically. But then, of course, at some point, it's like that reaches... Um, a glass ceiling, where in mm-hmm. that we then have to put the effort into like marketing to get ourselves out there to potentially, you know, bring in money. And that's, that's pretty challenging because we don't, we're not experts in those fields. So we're like mm-hmm. always trying to figure out like, how do we, how do we get ourselves out there? Right. How do we put this podcast in different platforms? Um, Cause we've seen other folks who were on that list, you know, with us, you know, grow in the podcast, but because they come from maybe different, um, educational backgrounds where they have a better sense of how to navigate those things. And so that's always been our, our Achilles heel is like, how the F do we navigate this business aspect of it? Oh, I feel you.
0: <laughs> I, I'm on that very steep learning curve myself as we yeah. speak. <laughs> yeah. Especially with the marketing and social media. Yes. Oh that. my it god. Takes time. It really does. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um. So now that we've talked a little bit more about the all the amazing benefits and challenges, and I and I just want to say one thing, just for the for the I, I, the next question is. What do you wish other academics knew about podcasting who are not familiar with this platform Mm -hmm. or this way Mm -hmm. of sharing knowledge? Mm -hmm. But I just want to say before y'all answer this question is I want folks to know that podcasting is amazing because if you do it over time, you can develop a very loyal and pretty large audience comparatively speaking when you're considering Mm. that versus publishing. Mm. When you Mm. publish an article it's behind a paywall, there's gatekeeping there's Mm -hmm. there's so Mm -hmm. many things that get in the way of someone reaching your information Mm -hmm. so you're lucky if you have a couple dozen people who read your work Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then with podcasting you could have hundreds of people listening Mm -hmm. to your episodes Mm -hmm. every week Mm -hmm. and thousands if not hundreds of thousands of downloads and people are like what and I'm like yeah that's that's right. That's that's the yeah. power of podcasting, it and is. so I mean that's one thing that I wish academics knew, and I, I I want to give you all credit too because I think that's one of the big like benefits of podcasting is just that that wide reach and impact that you can have.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. But
0: if, what other things in terms of like other academics? I know I have had my fair share of folks who have thought of my podcast as hmm like that's questionable oh. or they're just not familiar with podcasting mm, they're games. like oh that's cute I know <laughs> that's cute <laughs> it's Like, well, you're cute too I guess <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> with, um, your, with your little article <laughs> right oh how cute
2: 12 people saw your article <laughs> um that's a good question I don't know like I think mm. um I, I will say, I think I, we both are in somewhat supportive departments, you know, mm-hmm. and then I try not to talk to anybody else. Um, but I do, mm-hmm. I mean, I get the sense of, um, you know, of course, in academia, there's always that i that sense of elitism and, you know, you have to jump through all the hoops or it doesn't mm-hmm. count as scholarship. But I think that um mm. I'm like what do I want other academics to know
1: I think for um, a long time we've tried to be like f that f f, f other people like been very <laughs> insulated and I so I think this is what's happening for me right now I'm like I've been so insulated and I don't want to think about what other academics mm. are thinking about it but as you're asking mm. these questions I think it's clear you know that how minimized you know our our you know our energy you know and how it's what it's done with the podcast with all of our things is minimized by like you know academia I mean right yeah I mean, we have supportive departments um but do we have more job security yeah. <laughs> true. Getting true right yeah. true dang
2: um I know do we have does it reflect in our paycheck no
1: <laughs>
2: um I think if we had written a
1: book, if we had written like a book that was an Oprah daily, just like thinking as a comparable, like, you know, something comparative.
2: I think there's the whole thing of the like the peer reviewed aspect of it, right? This idea that if you are publishing in an academic journal, then other peers, right, colleagues are reading your stuff and critiquing it. And, you know, there's that whole like credibility, too. It's the whole idea of credibility. And I get that. And I think that um, what we often land on is that Chicana feminist epistemological idea in in that our lived experience is our Mm -hmm. credibility, right? Um, And that our lived experience is what has been peer reviewed, (laughs) is what, what, um, that for us, Mm -hmm. we're validating our experiences and because we have this analysis, and then we're, you know, just kind of layering that analysis onto our lived experience that we don't need validation outside of, you know, each other, outside of our um, communities. And I think that um, what what we do in having those conversations is that other people then feel validated in their own experiences, yes. right? And so it's like, who are we trying to please? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Are we trying to please the academic gods? Or are we Mm -hmm. trying to um, heal so much of the wounds within our own community? And so I think that that's, um, and I think that, you know, we're not talking to academics who don't think that way anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that there's a lot of academics who are invested in community are invested yes. in social justice. And so I think what I would want other academics to know is that um there mm-hmm. are other ways to create scholarship, like pure and simple. Mm-hmm. Like there's other ways to create scholarship than to get mm-hmm. that green light from, you know, mm-hmm. the university or whatever it is to mm-hmm. get that, you know, to get those kind of publishing things. And to recognize that when we're creating these podcast episodes, as I'm sure you know, we're not just like. I mean, yes, there's podcast. Podcasting is such a huge genre, and there's yeah. obviously some problematic podcasts, aren't mm-hmm. there? That are just going on and saying whatever the f they want. Just like there are mm-hmm.
0: problematic publications that you're like, how in the world did this get past peer review? Peer That's review, saying. exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah and mm-hmm. so i
2: think for us to 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 know and trust that we are so intentional so mm-hmm. intentional with what we uh-huh. how we're curating you know these mm-hmm. conversations mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. just as intentional as as people are you know or might be with um with their academic publishing so i think that um for other academics i would want them to to know like how much thought and um, care goes into creating you know public or you know mm-hmm. podcast episodes but also that like for them to know like there's permission to do things mm-hmm. in different ways because I think the more mm-hmm. we give each other permission to create scholarship in alternative ways the university will eventually have to catch up mm-hmm. they they'll have to right
0: <laughs> I'm like they'll have to right
2: <laughs> yeah
1: I, I'm not as optimistic. but <laughs> I know. Both of us were like, oh, like, I was thinking of Glorans. Although I was thinking of all these my like, Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Uh, but, you know, the, you know lips, it, even if it's mm-hmm. not systematically changing culturally, yeah. you know, it can change among among the the many academics that we all know who are doing really good work who have right. shared visions mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. type of world that they're working toward and why they're supporting the type of students they support the messages they're trying to you know um uplift and the voices they're trying to yeah. highlight so even though I'm less optimistic about systematic <laughs> change I am very optimistic about the future. Yeah. Um, of scholarship when you're working mm-hmm. towards something in community, you know, whether that's social justice, feminism, mm-hmm. you name it, um, yeah. yes. Yeah.
1: I'm really feeling like that this is gonna be um, helpful for our children, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I do try to mention generational change and in moments like this, that's it's, it's very helpful thinking of our little ones. Um, Mm -hmm. and the college uh, or the university spaces that they may or may not be a part of in the future and how I feel really good about thinking that we're creating change at that level, you know, or at least being a part of the work to create space for those conversations in academia, you know, Um, yeah, I wanted, on the flip side, I was thinking about recent things with us and we don't have to get into it, you know, but around, uh our academic voice not be you know um being marginalized in like mm, mm. in the marketing or in the not pop culture I'm like over and am like stumbling into this so what so we what, what
2: we've encountered <laughs> is that um, like in academia, we're not academic enough. We're colloquial. We're too colloquial. Mm-hmm. But then in colloquial spaces, we're too academic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, <laughs> so, I have the same problem.
1: <laughs> we're like, what the F? You know? And I think that we've been this new Napantla, you know, like really like this, like mm-hmm. uh, we have foot in so many worlds and these are the worlds, one of them. Least, yeah. You know, and I think them. it's
2: like, I think we've kind of are, are coming to a point where. Um, in academia, like there was a, a definitely like a move in academia to be like F that where we don't feel like we have to speak their language, like we're gonna do, mm-hmm. you know, scholarship in the in the language that we feel comfortable with. And then conversely, now we're like, yeah, and we're trained in academia, right? Like <laughs> we can't, like you said, we can't escape that. So I think on that level, to also be unapologetic. I think we try to be as accessible as we can. Um
1: mm-hmm. but I
2: think people you know, academic language absolutely can be a trigger, and we understand that, um, but I think just kind of also being unapologetic more about, like, yeah, that's, this is, this is the analysis that we offer, you know, from that academic yeah. perspective, and, you know, we got to be okay with that. We can, I think we can code switch. We know how to code switch, you know?
0: And <laughs> also, learning. you and, should not have to, you know? Uh, you right. yeah. yeah, be yourselves, and then, the folks who can relate or who want to learn are going to listen. And I'm sure you already have that, that support, that community. And I mean, who's to say that you have to do things a certain way, like who's to say that you have to meet certain metrics when in actuality, it's, I mean, with podcasting, like, are you really working towards podcasting to be counted towards tenure? (laughs) I mean, I I, know I'm not. So for me, it's, It's less about metrics and more about the impact. And I know that y'all are making an impact. That's a fact. Um, And I'm thinking about what you said, Christina, about future generations. So it's not just, okay, we're just having a conversation just because we want to have a conversation. It's about, I Mm -hmm. want to share a message that I think would be valuable, helpful Mm -hmm. to other people. And oftentimes those other people are Mm -hmm. the people that are coming after us. Mm -hmm. So it is the next generation of students, of scholars, of Youth. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are folks who are probably going to be listening to this conversation that we're having, and they mm-hmm. probably have that itch that we all once had of like, I, I kind of want to <laughs> start a podcast. I have something to say. And so I'd love yeah. to get, you know, clo- we're getting close to closing up the episode. Mm-hmm. So I would love for you all to share any words of advice. Uh, my mm. audience is predominantly first gen students of color. So to first gen students of color, undergrads grad students who are curious, who are interested, who have this podcasting bug, <laughs> they're listening for a reason. Yeah. If they want to get involved in podcasting or other forms of media, as you know, public scholarship, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. what kind of advice would you want to
2: offer them? Um, I want to say because so it's interesting, like I think I shared before we recorded that I was invited to um one of my mentors who I like she's now my colleague, uh, she invited me to her class because her class, um, they're doing a podcast as a final project. Mm-hmm. And um, so they were kind of, you know, I was kind of presenting the same thing, like what we do and what our experience was. And then they had questions to, uh, you know, the logistics and stuff around creating a podcast. And I, um, I think I'm always a logistics person. But I think that when it comes to creating a podcast, people get really caught up in the Um, It has to look a certain way. It has to sound Mm -hmm. a certain way. You know, you have to have a certain mic or you have to. And I think um, if you want to start a podcast and you have something to say, it can be as simple as recording a voice memo Mm -hmm. on your phone and Mm -hmm. putting that out there as a podcast, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't have to get caught up in all the text. I mean, <clears throat> obviously, you know, there's, there's levels of it and there's evolutions of that, but it can be that simple. You know, it can be really, mm-hmm. really simple to just record a voice memo and put it on a platform and put it out there, you know, and yeah. And say what you got to say.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love, I love that. I, it's honestly, I'm like, what would I say? Um, You know, I used to teach writing classes. Oh, I, we still, I see children <laughs> writing classes, but I used to teach like English 100, you know, and things. And um, it's, it's amazing that we can go to write a computer and pull up a blank screen and start just typing like something that's automatically publishing, you know. And I think now we kind of take that for granted. And sometimes that blank space can feel so like, oh my gosh, overwhelming. I don't know what to mm-hmm. write and things like that. I think in the same way, like uh, the the space, you know, for podcasts or for getting your voice out there is just limitless. Um, I don't know if it will always be that way, actually. Maybe so. Maybe that's what I'm there's ai think there's a sense of a timeliness now, you know, to because it's so accessible and don't let like the blank page you know scare you let it like mm. inspire you to um to to to, to be you because actually I feel like the biggest thing I learned from my young students my young students I'm like what am I 50 you know like but like <laughs> like is um they have like so much and this is what I learned from my kids too right a kid like they have some magic and what i love Mm. seeing is them just being being their magic you know and so whatever you know what you bring to this the blank page of podcasting is going to just be like kick ass like i'm just so excited i want to see the true you you know and so um because i know it's beyond my imagination you know and i'm so grateful i'm so grateful
2: I think something that we you reminded me, something we say in our writing courses is, um, you know, people really get caught up in the like, um, what what does it matter what I have to say? Because there's so many people who have mm-hmm. other things to say or more important things to say. And although that's true, right? Like, especially in podcasting, people love to say that the it's saturated, right? Like, there's just so many podcasts now and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, we're still getting listeners, right? Because people are still resonating. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, we always say in our writing courses, somebody out there is waiting for your story, your voice, your perspective. Yeah. It was like when we read Gloria Saldua for the first time, and you're like, oh my god, like it made your whole mm-hmm. life make sense. Mm-hmm. And that feeling, and somebody out there is waiting for your story to read and, or to hear, right. Mm -hmm. And resonate with and feel like um, their life makes sense. So I think that there's infinite possibility Mm -hmm. um, for what, you know, yeah. For what stories uh, can be shared in podcasting.
0: Thank you both for sharing that. That's um, so beautiful. And, and, And that's what we need to remind ourselves more is that our voices do matter we're made mm-hmm. to feel like we don't belong, we're made to feel like imposters, but in actuality, we have so much value, we have so much to yes. say, we have so much knowledge, even from our just, just our lived experiences alone, but then mm-hmm. in addition to that, like everything else that we're learning, because, you know, folks mm-hmm. who are listening, they're they're on their higher ed journey, so um, if you're interested in anything whether it's podcasting or just sharing your voice through other media like we need it so
1: mm-hmm.
0: go off and do it we're cheering you on <laughs> yeah
1: let's saturate let's saturate this media yeah
2: i mean that's such a that's such a capitalist way right to see it like oh there's not enough room and it's like no there's enough room there's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. infinite space
0: yes yes yeah. so thank you so much um for folks who Enjoyed this conversation and want to stay in touch, want to uh, follow your work, support your work. How can they reach you? Where can they find you? Yeah.
2: So we are on we Instagram at mm-hmm. Las Da Doctoras um you we have our website as our new website yes. <laughs> um it's lasdoctoras l-a-s-d-r-a-s dot com mm-hmm. and, I'm and like, from
1: that you can join our newsletter and stay in yeah. touch you know um but yeah, yeah. and of course we're... you do listen to our podcast we'd love to hear like what you think <laughs> you know leave us a review yeah
2: yeah we're on all the all the major right apple spotify google podcasts all that stuff um and i was like what else oh yeah and yeah we've always got writing workshops so if you're interested (laughs) um there's lots coming up
0: i'll make sure to add all of that in the show notes all of your links that way newsletter social media website and anything else that you want me to highlight so from one doctora to another and another Muchas gracias! Thank you so much for thank coming you. on the show, for uh, sharing yes. all this wonderful wisdom gems. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, here are three ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review of the podcast. If you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, you become eligible for a free half-hour coaching session with me. Yes, that's right. One free session. Once you leave a review, you can email me a screenshot and I'll send you a link to sign up. The second way to show your love is to get yourself a copy of my free 15-page grad school femtoring kit, which includes resources on research, organization, grad school, and career prep. Go to gradschoolfemtoring.com kit to get it today. The third and last way to support my show is to follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and occasionally TikTok with the handle at touring. Thanks again, and until next time.